Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Politicana. Today is episode 24 of Politicana. It is April 11th. My name is Tyler, and I'm here with, of course, Pratik. Nick is absent today. He's feeling a little sick. We hope he feels better. But Pratik, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I got black coffee. I'm trying to get this new taste. You know, I've heard that, you know, when you drink black coffee, it's supposed to be much healthier for you mm. and it doesn't taste that good. So yeah, hopefully, so, hopefully I can get this taste. Yeah. So I drank black coffee for like two years straight and uh, milk is much better <laughs> or cream. <laughs> but with that said, today we have some fun. In, I don't know about fun, but it's certainly interesting topics. We have a lot of movement in Russia with Putin. We're going to be talking about the border wall and a lot of controversy that's been going on over there with the Biden administration, uh, Matt Gates and all of his uh, craziness. Uh, that's going to be a very interesting topic. And of course, we have rest in peace, Prince Philip at the end. But to kick it off, we're going to be talking about Putin. Yeah. So um, with Vladimir Putin, obviously, you know, he's been the dictator who's been in power for so many years. So now he's trying to pass a term limit law. So he can make sure that no one else runs for president and is there for that as long as he has been. So Putin signs into law, allowing him to run for two more terms as Russian president. Um, Russian President Vladimir Putin has signed a law paving the way for him to run for two more presidential terms, potentially extending his rule until 2036. Putin, who turned 69 this year, is currently serving his fourth presidential term, which is set to end in 2024. The new legislation announced on Monday could allow him to serve two more six-year terms should he choose to stand for and win re-election both times. Um, yeah, Putin's, um, you know, running is going to establish a term limit law, basically, that says that after these two years that he's going to be in power, um, if he wins election, uh, re-election twice, that um, no one can be president for more than two year, two terms. So obviously Putin, um, if there, I think there is a law like that, but Putin's definitely not followed that law and he's been in office for many, many years. And along with that, he's also doing a bunch of other sketchy things. So he has 100,000 troops on Ukraine's border with Russia. Um, and basically he's saying that uh, he wants to, he thinks that this is a growing concern, the Ukraine border. So he's putting troops over there. Obviously, he probably has more intentions to, you know, take over Ukraine as he has been trying to do for the past five, six years. And no country has really done anything to stop him. And then on top of all that other stuff, he has his opposition leader, Alexei Navalny, back in the news, who's been in jail for like five months. He's been hunger deprived and he's been, you know, being treated like legit crap. And now he's announced a hunger strike to pr protest prison conditions and problems that are going on in Russia. And this was lastly followed in by President uh, Vladimir Putin officially banning same-sex marriage in Russia, saying that we should look to God. So a lot of stuff's been going on with Putin. So I call this segment All Things Putin. So what's your thoughts, yes. Tyler? Yeah, so with Russia and Putin, basically all things we've come to expect with him, he's the dictator that says he's running a democracy somehow and still is getting away with that, moving all these troops to the border, uh, banning same-sex marriage, along with the uh, the imprisonment of Navalny. It really, to me, points to he's trying to unify his country for some big action in the future. It makes me afraid because it seems like now that they have Crimea, Crimea, why wouldn't they move into Ukraine? They have political influence over there. I know they have some rebel groups in the Eastern East, Eastern Bloc over there that are helping them out. It's becoming a really dangerous time. Do you think this is like going to be leading to like almost a new kind of Cold War situation? Because I'm not sure that we have the balls to stand up for Ukraine in the way we need to, at least in the West. 
I don't think that any country has the balls to stand up to Putin. And this is in the fact that has been in place ever since Putin has done everything Putin has done since 2010, since he's replaced Medvedev. He's been there and he's done all kinds of sketchy things. He has um, funded and financed a chemical dicta- a dictator who uses chemical weapons on his people. He's taken over a whole country. He's like you know, financing and funding a lot of the terrorism activities done by Taliban, Hamas, and Hezbollah. And he's one of the key allies and leader friends to Iran, who openly, you know, says a bunch of things to bomb Israel and bomb the United States. So Vladimir Putin has gotten away with a lot of things. He has a lot of energy supremacy that allows him to control a lot of the stuff in Europe and what Mm -hmm. goes on and controlling all these countries and making sure they don't take any actions against him. And it's just getting worse. And I just feel like, you know, with Putin, he's getting away with everything because none of the countries have any balls to stand up to him. And like literally, literally, like if you look at somebody like Alexei Navalny, the guy's like being choked to death, has been poisoned, has been in jail for like a year because he's speaking out against Putin and he continues to do so. Like we all need to look at Navalny as an example, be like, yo, look at this guy. He's almost been killed like 10 times and he's still standing up against and he's still coming back. Like he was out of the country he was in a coma for a number of days and after that decided i'm actually going to go back to russia to keep fighting <laughs> this is a true rebellion like rebellious spirit it's it's amazing that he's been able to get away with what he has i'm surprised has putin hasn't been able to kill him off yet because that would be so advantageous for putin to get rid of this guy i don't think him being a martyr would be effective enough to overthrow putin so getting rid of him altogether i don't think would be that big of a deal but I just feel like with this, we get to see how like there is something in Russia that people will stand up against a dictator that's like willing to take over everything. In, wait, like, wait, wait. Within Russia, you believe the people are willing to stand up to it? Yeah. If well, somebody like can... Alexei Navalny is going to literally almost die like 10 times, mm. still comes back as like this like, undi- like you know, a mortal warrior. Like a zombie. Stand it's up like Jesus, against... come back from the dead. Exactly. <laughs> But if there's enough people like Navalny and there's enough people that support Navalny, like it's kind of like, all right, yeah, Russia has this dictatorship basically without being called a dictatorship. And Putin, even though he controls literally everything, can't really stand up to stop this guy's rebellion. No matter what he does, he like, tries to kill him a bunch of times and he still comes back. So he's just showing how like no country is above their people. And if their people want to uprise and, you know, stand up against uh, authoritarian leadership or authoritarian government, they have the ability to. It takes a lot out of them. Obviously, it's very dangerous and many people might lose their lives. But I mean, whenever you see somebody like Navalny that's willing to do whatever it takes to get Putin out of the way and, you know, try to bring back Russia to this, you know, good old times again, Like, you know, anything is possible. Well, dictators in particular need to have a great grasp of their people and control over their people because the people have no outlet to represent themselves through the government. So if you can't represent yourself through the government, what do you do? You turn to other means and you're going to have a lot of chaos going on. The one real question I have is I'm not quite sure how much support Putin has or or, or um, Navalny, I, I'm, it's so hard for me to get a gauge of what kind of support he has, given the fact that all these polls seems, seems the data well, seems to be a little off. He hasn't been allowed to run in an election. Mm-hmm. So Navalny is just a potential candidate, but Navalny is not a member of any of the political parties in Russia. 
So remember I told you in the last episode how there are three main political parties. You have the Vladimir Putin Independent Party, which is called United Russia. Then you got the Communist Party. And then you got the far right party, which is called the Liberal Democratic Party. So you have three parties in Russia. Alexei Navalny hasn't been allowed to be a candidate in any of those elections because he's so anti-Putin. So because of that, like it all it all goes to show that if Alexei Navalny was actually a candidate and, you know, their elections weren't as rigged, then the dude has a voice and his voice needs to be heard. But, you know, Russia and China and all these authoritarian governments don't like dissenting opinions. So. Yeah, I wonder if the West is supporting him in some way. I wonder if they're like giving him some ammo to keep firing off dissent in the country. That's my whole problem. Like, I feel like this dude has done more to try to, you know, attack Putin than any of these other countries in the entire world have. Like, what is America doing? Like, why, like, Biden comes out there and says all this, like, oh, yeah, we need to shut down Putin. Putin's so bad. Trump was his friend. Now we need to take him out because he's such a horrible leader and horrible person. Like, what is he doing? He's not doing anything. Like, he just all talks. I like the fact that he's talking about it, but he need, you need more action. And like, this is this was the problem with the Obama administration. Like, this was the problem with the Trump administration. And it's going to last longer with Biden. Because like, when Obama was there, Obama, Cameron, and Merkel never did anything to step up against Putin. They just kind of let him do his thing because they were like, if he doesn't like supply our energy and, you know, like, if he doesn't provide enough natural gas supply because he doesn't like us, then half of our countries are going to freeze in the EU. Yeah. We can't. What, what's our happen. relationship to the Ukraine, given the fact that we've had all those scandals as of late in that country? I'm not even sure that we really have a good enough alliance with them to even protect them. See, the problem with countries like Ukraine is they're like small players in the game. They don't but, have no, but they're major players. It's like North Korea. It's like because China owns North Korea, it becomes yeah. a major player, no matter how insignificant it may seem it by itself. It is a major player, but the fact is that if Putin really wants to take over Ukraine, nothing's really stopping him. Well, obviously, I mean, look, 100,000 troops on the border. It looks like yeah, it might happen this week. Exactly. But the thing is that Putin is just kind of using it as a threat. He's not He's not going out and be like, all right, I'm going to take over Ukraine today. But he's showing that he can take over Ukraine, and he's showing to his people that nobody has the balls to stop it. And he's winning at it. Because yep. Putin has gotten away with literally everything and no one has ever done anything to stop. Yeah. And, and it's only going to continue. And, and the ban- banning of the same-sex marriage, moved, the move to more a conservative, Christian, orthodox kind of mentality, for me, the way I see it is he's trying to create some kind of unified value system for the country. He's trying to get back to people to because you need to be united on some front. Maybe a lot of people in Russia don't agree with same-sex marriage, even though Putin, I'm sure, really doesn't give a shit. I don't think Putin actually really cares too much whether gay people are with each other or not. I think it's all a, mo- a form of control. And I think, like like you said, he's showing no one's going to stand up to me. I'm going to push this forward. I'll be your great leader. I'll be the next great leader of Russia. And that's why we need more people like Alexei Navalny in Russia to actually raise their voice and do something about it. And if somebody like Navalny is willing to go on a hunger strike and like, you know, literally be tortured almost to death a bunch of times, if there's enough people like that that stand up in Russia, like Putin is one person. Like you're, the citizenship of Russia has to stand up to try to take down Putin. Otherwise, Putin's going to be there forever and nobody's going to do anything to stop him because our co- world countries don't really care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, well, somebody that, like hold on. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's not necessarily. I don't care. It's 
what do we do? Like, are we going to put our own, our own citizens' lives at risk in order to help them? That's what it comes down to. But the thing is that we do in a lot of these situations. Why haven't we done anything with Putin? Because we're scared of Putin. Yeah. Like, what is it? If, if, we, if Putin wasn't there, Bashar al-Assad would not be in Syria right now. That's a fact. I mean, look at what we did with Saddam Hussein. Like, we didn't like Saddam Hussein. He was out in, like, 30 days. We, like, killed him. He well, we liked him have... at some point, and then we no longer liked him. Yeah. <laughs> then... But what I'm saying is, like, you know, if, if America and the world wants to actually take, take a stand against one of these leaders that's, like, chemically gassing their people or imprisoning people because they feel like it, then they can. But the fact is that America doesn't do anything against Russia because Russia is seen as the third most powerful country in the world after America and China. And yeah. that's because of their natural resource power. And until that stuff changes and until like, you know, these countries feel like, all right, we need to stand up for human rights before we care about all these other things, then it's always going to continue because Putin is still going to be Putin. If climate change is a thing, Putin's only going to become more powerful. And the fact is that, I mean, no one has ever st stood up against Putin and he has a complete monopoly over everything that goes on in Russia. So. Yes, absolutely true. It is what um, it is. It is what it is. He's recreating the great Soviet Union, if you will. Um, man, it's a it's it's a scary time to be alive. We'll see. This could be this could be an inflection point in history if Russia actually goes for it and tries to take out Ukraine. That could start the next world war, for all I know. So I'm hoping it doesn't happen. But man, it's not looking too great. Uh, but with that, let's move on to our next topic. We got Biden's border wall saga because. As many of you may have heard, we've had this migrant crisis at the border. We have more children than ev ever, un un unaccompanied minors coming to the border. We have to figure out how to take care of them. Ultimately, we're, in, we're spending around $60 million a week on this, so it's certainly a big sunk cost. Um, Prateek, give us a laydown, lowdown on the situation. Yeah, so we're spending around $60 million a week. Um, we're taking care of 16,500 unaccompanied migrant teenagers and children who have claimed that they don't have any parents and, have, you know, are just here. And we're providing shelter to them because we don't want to send them back. The numbers are only going up, up and up. Um, and like, there's all kinds of other problems going on with this whole situation where you have 71% of the migrant encounters have been up in March as Biden's administration grapples with the border. Now they're blaming the Trump administration for all their problems that they have at the border because, you know, Trump is the easy target. And they're saying that if it wasn't for the Trump administration, we wouldn't have all these like 19,000 unaccompanied children to worry about. And like and then on top of everything else, this has been one of like the weakest things that has been going on in the Biden administration, like his people itself, the like, you know, hardcore Democrats were advocates of open borders, or if not more easing off restrictions on borders. And the Biden administration is being very wishy-washy where they're like trying to keep people that are kids, but are sending people back that are older and they're playing, you know, favorites on who they keep and who they don't keep. And they have a lot of money invested. And even they're like, person um, who was overseeing the border, Roberta Jacobson, who was called the czar, uh, Biden czar, who border czar, and she was also um, a former ambassador to Mexico, has also resigned saying that, you know, this is too much and she can't take it. So it's a lot of stuff going on. So what are yeah, your thoughts, well, man? I just, 
it's just it, it's so ironic the fact that for four years they were just bashing the crap out of Trump for everything he had done at the border for him wanting to create some sort of stability and then Democrats would always say it's not needed it doesn't make any sense why are you focusing on this immigrants aren't even that big of an issue but the second they get in power and the second they're confronted with an issue they can't make a solid decision because they've pinned themselves in a corner they've pinned themselves in an ineffectual way to deal with the situation we're currently in. They can't go back and do what Trump did, even if it did work. So what they're saying is, this is all a result of what Trump did. All this border crisis stuff is because of Trump. When in fact, I guarantee you, people are less incentivized to come to America under Trump than they are under Joe Biden. Simply Joe Biden being elected by virtue of that, if I'm in, if I'm in some South American country, I say, this is my time to shine. He's talking about how we're not gonna be hard with people on the border. Why wouldn't I come now? They're just reaping what they sow right now and we're all paying for it. So I remember like whenever Trump was there, they called this a national emergency. And there was like this big debate by Democrats whether it should be called a national emergency or not. Because when he is, when every, anything is called a national emergency, more financing and more funds go toward it from the United States government. So whenever that was the case, they were arguing that, you know, the Trump administration is too bullish on immigration and yeah, Trump is a racist because he's not allowing immigrants to come in this country. Um, and they're even trying to change up wordings for people that were illegal immigrants to calling them like, what was it? Um, uh, unalienable worker, something like that. It was something <laughs> like they tried to change up the word illegal immigration because they felt that it was too offensive towards illegal immigrants and they were trying to not be racist. We could just come up with euphemism for all the words we don't like, or we could just accept the reality that we're trying to call a spade a spade here, right? I mean, does it really matter what we call it or the sensibilities of We need to deal with the practical problem of having these illegal immigrants coming in the country. It doesn't matter what you're calling the situation. Why are we, why are we wasting energy to try to focus on what we should be calling it yeah and that that's the whole problem is like the biden administration didn't really have a goal plan on any of this stuff they just said that they were going to do it better than trump and trump was racist and they're like we're no, not they said there was basically the people they said there was basically no problem that we didn't need a border wall and the by virtue of not needing a border wall we didn't need much border security like for me if not a border wall at least have some drones have some system to manage it we can't just have open borders it's just i'm a libertarian but it's just the most ridiculous thing in the world we live in today if we're gonna have countries we can't have open borders those two don't go together and the irony is that the people of the biden administration so his voter base are really fundamentally against having a border they That's don't know like what they believe the they have reason. no principles <laughs> no but see half the reason why like what was the biggest talking point that they had against trump oh trump's racist trump's a bigot trump's homophobic he doesn't like walls i mean he, he, trump, trump, <laughs> he loves walls. Like walls. <laughs> trump loves walls uh he doesn't like mexican people and you know he's just racist all around he also doesn't like black people he just doesn't like anybody of any race that isn't white and is isn't Donald Trump because he doesn't even like white people because they're not Donald Trump. And I'll give That's you, he is a narcissist, had. dude. He know he like he'll value himself above everyone else, but I'm not sure he puts down everyone else to a different level. We'll see. And there was a lot of benefits from the Trump administration that a lot of these people never really like you know discuss in their conversations about why they're anti-Trump. They can't like, give him some credit. Some of these things, like all right, African American unemployment was really it was like at his lowest numbers under Donald Trump. Like the economy was at its strongest point under Donald Trump for all immigrants and all minorities, regardless of whatever race or income levels that you belong to, before coronavirus hit. And once coronavirus hit, 
if it was up to people like the Biden administration, they wouldn't know what to do. Like we would still be in lockdown if, if Trump did not come up with a vaccine. Now that's part of the well, benefits of the, no, but see the main issue here is that whenever all that stuff happened, like the Trump administration was advocating for you to provide funding and provide resources to people that were minorities at the time, because who are the people that are primarily getting all these stimulus checks and getting all this funding and, you know, provisions in the first place is usually unemployed people. And the argument is that the lowest income level classes are people that are in the African-American or Hispanic you know, basis. That's their argument. I mean, we know white people that are poor. We know Indian people that are poor. We know Chinese people that are poor. But in the democratic propaganda of logic that they try to provide, it's the people that are African-Americans and Hispanics that are all poor. So in that logic, if Trump was doing stuff to help out all these people and doing stuff to like, you know, make it so that if you are an immigrant in this country that came legally, you're not going through all those same loopholes as you, and problems as you were if you were an illegal immigrant, just kind of incentivize people to come through the proper process. But the fact is that, you know, people looked at it in all weird ways. Like whenever Trump shut down the borders to all these other countries, whenever coronavirus started, he was also called a racist again and that was part of like the racist march for like the next two three months because everything about trump was racist because trump just exists so he's racist so but, in but, that whole scheme of things i just feel like this immigration thing just became like one of those things talking points for democrats just argue about how anything to do with trump whether it's the wall whether it's border security you know anything like that it's all fundamentally racist and is done by trump who is the biggest racist democrats 10 20 years ago would have loved to have done what trump wanted to do and because by virtue of trump wanting to do it they had to take the opposite stance it's like a reducto ad absurdum they had to go to the opposite extreme and they can't move their position back because they know they'd be acquiescing to the Trump people and they can't get over that. But again, it's affecting us all. This, uh, this problem affects us all. And just to be straight with our viewers, I'm a family, I'm a, my family, they were immigrants, Pratik's family, immigrants. Like we're not, we're not trying to say we don't like immigrants. And actually I may even be okay with having more legal immigrants coming through the country, but having unaccompanied minors just show up to the border because they know they'll probably get a chance to live in the country is not an effective system for anyone. It's not good for the children that are risking their lives to get there. It's not good for the parents that have to be separated. It's not good for anyone. So the Democrats should be able to say we were wrong in this instance, and they haven't been able to do that. Yeah, and I, I just feel like with, with all this stuff, like the main thing that we have to keep into account is that with immigration, when it comes to illegal immigration, you have to worry about border security because there can be anybody that, I mean, if there's not a proper system in place that could come across the border and, you know, potentially do crimes and potentially do violent actions, and you can't really hold anybody accountable because you don't know who they are. So there, there has to be a better reporting system. I'm not saying that you need to, um, you know, reduce the amount of immigrants that you take in because I don't believe that, but I feel like you need to make sure that everybody that does come into the country, we know who they are, that they're accounted for, and that they have certain steps in place if they do some kind of violent actions to hold them responsible. And, you know, whenever you are a green card resident or whenever you're a visa resident and you've come into the country legally, you have certain policies in place that, you know, you know, that might benefit you on your sense, but it will also allow the government to monitor you and make sure that if you do anything sketchy or do anything harmful, that they can hold you accountable.
Yeah, I just hope we can learn from this in that you can't just take the opposite side of the people you don't like because guess what? You may you may end up having to end up on that side for the benefit of us all. So hopefully we can all be a little more humble moving forward and accept when we're wrong. And if we do, if the Democrats did that, I would have a lot more respect for them. And when Republicans are wrong, I expect the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's all this black and white scenario. Like if you believe That's in politics, one thing, though. the other yeah. side has to believe in the in the different thing. And the fact is that most people that are voters have their own opinions. They're not just demagogues that walk around and live and breathe whatever their party tells them. But there are people like that. There's probably like 20% of the party. But I feel like- A lot of voters are like that, unfortunately. I don't think all people are like that, but I bet most voters are like that. The people that actually go out to do it, those guys, they probably- but see, the, the thing line. about all that, though, too, is that most people are all one issue voters. So, like, they have their own one thing that they really are fundamentally strongly, you know, caring about. And that's how they determine how they vote. And then all this other stuff, they just kind of tag along and believe it because, you know, they vote for that one cause. Yeah. So they if believe you believe if you're against abortion, then somehow you have to be for low tax. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Exactly. So, yeah, no. Um, and it's kind of like, I just want that, you know, the Biden administration to like take certain stances and be firm about it. Like it, how they are whenever they talk about all the stuff that they're going to do in foreign policy. I like it. But then whenever Russia goes out and does certain things, they don't take any action because they're too scared to do anything. They just, they're just all talk, no action. And they the take same action thing is here with immigration. They take action. What about the, like I, we're not going to dive into it this week, but the, the whole gun control executive action. He he's only taking action where he knows he can score wins on his political side. Well, yeah, and the gun thing is all wins. Now, when when was the last time you had a Republican or Democratic administration that when when whenever you ever seen a Republican administration ban abortion? When have you ever seen a Democrat administration well, ban guns? And the fact is that the Republican administrations and the Democratic administrations both use this stuff as a talking point whenever they're running for office. But whenever they're there, they don't do anything to stop any of that stuff. And then that's probably for the benefit of us all. We don't need to ban abortion and we don't need to ban guns. So this is just talking points for them as their wedge vote, just to be able to get their, you know, people riled and get them all excited and then to have the same thing go on whenever they're there. The problem I have is I don't like it's not even specifically the gun issue. I just know if you start changing stuff like this, it's a slippery slope. And I know people don't want to hear that, but it simply is. A right is a it's it's a privilege if you could if it simply could be taken away and it's never given back. Like look at the Patriot Patriot Act. Was it patriotic? Like just because it's called the Patriot Act doesn't mean it necessarily helped our freedoms. So I'm very hesitant to give up any any of these freedoms, even though I know. I understand where people come from. They see these shootings. They're terrible. We can't have that. But we're in a country with like 400 million guns. Like, what are we going to do at this point? And so this is another thing. Um, so whenever whenever we see certain civil rights breaches like this, it reminds me of certain countries like France. So we had had a big discussion in my group meet with my friends about this stuff. But like, basically in France, they banned hijabs and they banned um, burqas. And the fact is that they're trying to create an equal society and create a utopian society where everybody has freedoms. But in order to do that, they're banning people that are Muslims from having the same freedoms as everybody else because yeah. they're Muslim. So then they can be the same. And the fact 
fact is that this is what I don't like. Whenever we start moving towards things where you're trying to create a perfect utopia by banning everything, this is the kind of situations you get into. Like everyone needs to have civil rights and needs to have the same rights as everybody else. So people should be allowed to wear, eat, drink, whatever they want to wear, eat or drink. Like it's not up to the government to decide, oh, this is the way you should behave today. This is what you should wear. This is what you should eat. This is what you should drink. It's all up to the person and individual beliefs and individual like, you know, just individual civil rights should always. And if you don't believe it. that, read read the Gulag Archipelago or anything about the Soviet Union and, and the millions of people that died in China. Like, it's just obvious that we've had examples of this in the past. And the we fact tried. is that most Democrats and Republicans should agree on this. It's not a really controversial issue. But whenever it's about something that they feel passionate about, they're always about banning things. Republicans were about banning gay marriage and were about banning abortion. Democrats are about banning guns or banning other civil liberties that people have that are religious or banning like, you know, certain things that certain religious groups can do. And it's like, at some point, we need to quit this argument about banning. We can obviously regulate things because mm -hmm. certain things have to be regulated. But yeah. whenever you get into the conversation about banning, you're, um, you know, you're preventing people from having the same civil rights that they should be able to have, and that everyone knows that they should be able to have, because yeah. they would expect the same for themselves. To me, the default state of people seems to be more authoritarian. I think America is a novelty in the world, and I think we need to protect that at all costs. And that's why some like this, for instance, scares me a lot, even if it is. I don't know. I, I don't like executive action on anything that's constitutional. I want it put up to a vote at the very least. I want it going through the House and the Senate. I want the representatives to take a look at this. I don't want Biden telling me whether or not I could have a certain kind of gun. I don't that just doesn't roll with me. All right, so now let's move on to our next topic, which is Matt Gates. So I call this topic Matt Gates, the man who became the legendary creep of creeps. So Matt Gates is that's know, saying a lot in 2021, <laughs> given all that's going on. <laughs> so Matt Gates has been all over the news. Um, you've had conservative and liberal commentators, you know, literally trashing the hell out of Matt Gates. I think he might be one of the most hated people in the country right now, as of today. And, you know, it's because of a lot of these scandalous things that he's done. So with Matt Gates, let me lead you through it. So he has a House Ethics Committee that has been opened up into investigation to look at his um, look at these allegations of sexual misconduct, illegal drug use, misuse of state identification records and campaign funds, and whether the congressman accepted a bribe or a gift in violation of House rules. So let me take you through what's what's happened. So first and foremost, it has been established that Gates is under federal investigation for sexual misconduct. On Tuesday, the New York Times reported that the Justice Department, or AKA DOJ, is investigating whether Gates, 38, had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old and paid for her to travel with him. If these allegations are accurate, then Gates could have violated federal sex trafficking laws. According to the Times, the allegations are part of a broader investigation into a political ally of Gates, named Joel Greenberg, a Florida tax collector who was indicted last year on charges, including the sex trafficking of a child. Greenberg also reportedly misused public funds to buy servers for a cryptocurrency company, as well as weapons, ammunition, and a drone. And then there was also stories about how he started to share pictures of women to other, naked women to other congressional members in the House. So yeah, Tyler, what's your thoughts? 
Uh, I mean, it's just so sad. I mean, the dude's 38 years old. Like, it's just so creepy and disgusting. And I'm just glad that we found it. Like, we found out. You know, in the past, we might not have found out like something like this. So I'm, I'm glad that things like this are coming to light. But it also shows this evil, evil side of, I, I don't know if it's politics. It's just, I don't know. It's just evil people, essentially, because I, I'm 26. I couldn't imagine being with a 17 year old and he's 38, you know, and he did it so brazenly to Venmo her, for instance, like you're leaving a clear paper trail. It's like he just knew he would get away with it. So I, it's really unfortunate. It's sad to see, but let's weed these guys out of the system as quickly as we can. Like Giuliani, for instance, another guy, he didn't have the exact same situation, but another guy that should just be taken out of the system. They've done terribly wrong by the standards of today. And we should no longer have them representing us in office. Yeah. And see, the other issue with Matt Gates is that Matt Gates has been involved in a lot of different crimes. So it's not just like he's involved in one thing. So it's like he's done a lot of different things. And the fact is that he should face a lot more of a penalty than what he would be if he just kicked out of the house. Like mm-hmm. the dude should, because he's involved in extortion, sex trafficking. He's involved in like, you know, a relationship with a minor. And then he's also like, you know, sending nude pics to people about other different women that, you know, probably without their permission. I'm 99% sure, but there might yeah. be one. I don't know. But see, like there's a lot of different crimes. So I feel like the penalties that the guy faces shouldn't just be, you know, relieved because he's a congressional member. Yeah. Like they should, he should be, you know, given the same sentences that you would give a regular citizen that committed the same kind of violent acts. And yeah. the fact is, is that if it was some other person and they'd done all this stuff, they'd probably be in jail for life. But the fact is that this was Matt Gates and he's a politician. So politicians are usually treated a lot differently than regular people are. are. And I feel like this in this kind of situation, they should be treated just the same as everybody else because everybody knows that all these acts that he's committed are wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure about jail for life, but he certainly should get years in jail. It shouldn't just go through the House, et- the Ethics Committee, and somehow they're going to decide, oh, you're not allowed to represent anymore. Go and live the rest of your life as is. That's not how we work. If we're going to charge one person for sex trafficking for doing the exact same crime, we got to charge him. And you're right. He is like a litany of all these different crimes into one. He's obviously not a good dude. Let's get this tumor out of our system. If we have a criminal justice system for any reason, it's for to stop people like this. So let's make that happen. If if we don't we're just we're, we really are just showing how corrupt our system is how you can get an advantage simply by being in a position of power especially a political position yeah so let's move on to one more dark topic this is as dark as the last one but it's kind of sad too um prince philip this is called and r.i.p well prince it's not really philip dark i mean he lived a long time it's not dark but he uh, died in 99 yeah. but yeah prince philip the duke of edinburgh husband of queen elizabeth ii and father of princes William and Harry died Friday. He was 99. I think he just died of old age causes. There wasn't anything like in particular that led him to die. But he, the Queen's family has has this tendency to live for a very long time. And this guy made it to 99. So props to him. But it's just one of those things that is like really sad for the country of, of England and of UK altogether. And of all the Commonwealth countries that are under the supervision of the United Kingdom. And with Prince Philip dying, it's just depressing because Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth have been in power in England for a very, very, very long time. 
Yeah, I, I personally take a different position. I'm very American. I don't give a crap about the monarchy. I don't I don't respect it. I don't really see what their utility is other than to be a showpiece nowadays. It's sad that anyone dies, but he certainly lived a full life. I'm sure he lived a good life, given that he was royalty. Um, I'm, I'm, the country may feel bad, but do you not see how the idea of a monarchy is so outdated that maybe it's not the most important thing or am I the only one that sees it like this? See, I feel like, I feel like we look at it as Americans for people that are from England and that I've been living as British citizens for a long time. And, you know, just been, I mean, you know, been involved with the British government or other countries and people that have been involved with the British government for many, many years. That's just one of those things that's like commonplace. Now, a lot of these other countries around the world, like Spain. And I think like, I don't know about Netherlands, but one of those other like Eastern European countries, they have like Hungary, I think they have like monarchies that are in place, but they don't have any power per se, but they're there. And the England monarchy is just like the most famous of all them because, you know, England at one point took over the entire world. So it's just one of those things that's kind of like their tradition. And I don't really see the monarchy playing as big of a role apart from being like a head of state that just acts as a diplomat and, you know, just like a acts as a celebrity going to different places or going to different countries and representing England. But it's just one of those things that, you know, because we're American, we may not understand the well, entire. Hold on, let me pause you there. I disagree with anything that's going to run off bloodline. The whole I concept of having a blood, a purified bloodline. That's literally like, that's the most racist you can be and that's what they are but we accept it because it's tradition just like we used to accept slavery because it was tradition i just don't it just seems so antiquated we're trying to latch on to this uh this this monarchy because in some sense we feel like we do want a great like some leader to be leading us forward that we're not alone doing it ourselves but to me like i said i don't like the idea of bloodline i don't even like the idea in america of having the same family running term after term different members of the family i don't like that at all I believe in the individual. I don't believe in bloodlines and I believe in competence and meritocracy. I don't believe being born into something gives you the right to anything. Thank you everyone for tuning in to episode 24 of Politicana. Thank you all for joining. We'll be seeing you next week. Uh, Pratik, any final thoughts? No, just have a nice day and sunny outside. So make the most of it. Yep. Enjoy your day. Have a good one. Take care.